Hey, everybody, I'm Jody Vance. And I'm George Affleck. And it's time for... It's the holiday season. Unspun. Is this because you're wearing red? That's it. That's it. You're going, holy cow. December 1st. We're allowed now. We're allowed. I permit it. I permit it in my home. Although Amanda's like, all right, we'll get the tree this weekend. I'm like, oh, no, not so soon. Not the tree. I don't, I don't know if you can see my decoration, my decor. No, I don't you think you can. got the fire going. That easel over I got the fire. That's it. We're good. We're done. We're good. I know. I'm I good. live with somebody who wants everything up now. That's like Brian. He's, He's actually given in to my pressure of not having anything because I just painted, just had everything because we, yeah. Just painted the place. I'm right. like, we're not sticking things to the wall. Not we're putting not. any pins in the hall. No. 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 Hey, but I mean, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. <laughs> uh, did you get stuck in snowmageddon? Uh, no. I mean, I'm pretty good in the snow, but uh, it was snowing. I guess it was at whatever day we left the office. Amanda left just before me, and she does not like driving in the snow. And she was like, nah, you know, screaming the whole way home. And we only live across the bridge. It was bridge, Tuesday, so right? Far for us. No. Yeah, and so she had all to go across Canada Bridge. It was scary yeah. though. It was. It had suddenly just. It came, like suddenly it was packed up, and you know it was starting to pack out on those streets, and it really was quick. But you know, uh, we knew it was coming. <laughs> it was fairly specifically timed, and reported that the snow would start at this point, and it would and it lead and the end, and it did. The weather reports yeah. were pretty, pretty accurate, people. I was really impressed with that. Yeah. And the people that were like, oh, I can't believe it. it's like, really? This is not new. Okay. Born and raised Vancouverite. Mm-hmm. I've said this a million times. I, remember when we had uh, Sandgate or Saltgate or whatever Saltgate, the hell it and was? Saltgate. We had Snowmageddon. We had Snowmageddon. Yes. And when mm-hmm. people were like, we need to, blah, blah. You know, and granted, there was a miscommunication that went down. <gasps> hey, none of that. Eddie, Eddie, come. Eddie, Eddie doesn't like snow. Sorry. See, there's Eddie. Dogs hate snow, salt. They don't want They salt. do. You got to be careful with your dog. But yes. when, I, I just want to say about the Alex Fraser Bridge, because there were a number of people who were very much caught for hours yeah. and hours. And hours. I talked Crazy. to one person yesterday who was stuck in his car on the S-curve on Highway 91 for 10 hours. That's okay? crazy. So and, and- that's a problem. But to say I, that know, we need to hire a fleet of sanding and salting trucks and plows for the three for, days a year that this happened, no. Yeah, I'm with you on this. I'm with you on this. Although I do believe that, you know, uh, denying or, or I think politicians have to be careful, although most of them have been pretty silent this time. <laughs> it seems to be standard in Vancouver anyways. Politicians aren't mayor? talking much. Yeah. Well, he was here. Uh, uh, he didn't, you know, a few years ago, I think it was 10, oh my God, maybe 10 years ago when we had that snowmageddon and, then, and Gregor was in yep. Mexico. Granted, yep. he, was building, he was building homes for free for young people or for impoverished right. people. <laughs> so I can't criticize him too much. But he wasn't here and he wasn't available. They didn't have a plan. It seemed chaotic. Uh, it, and, and there was another snowmageddon when I was there. And it was uh, predicted. And I was mad because it was predicted that, the, that yeah. they didn't plow at the right time. So I think there's a, there is this disconnect and timing issue that you could argue. But generally, my belief is... Uh, as a human in Vancouver, growing up yeah. here as well, is that everybody, nobody knows how to drive in this weather, and I don't want to get hit by them. You've seen the videos of these cars, like, 
This is this is how people drive in Vancouver when it snows. I don't want to be around them. I'm not yep. going to go on the roads. I'm not going to drive my car. I can drive. I'm good at driving. Of course, I'm good at driving in the snow. I am, of course, I'm yeah. not worried about it. I, I know how to do it. I've you know I've lived in places where you have snow. Same. I get it. But I don't With trust anybody else. And those traffic jams we saw were a direct result of people going, ah, and then pileups and, and then you're stuck. And you're going, but I know how to drive in this. Too bad. You're stuck behind the guy who doesn't know how to drive. And that's what you have to make the assumption of that government and all these people can put as much snow plows in the road. But if nobody in Vancouver, and we'll never learn because we don't get enough snow uh, exactly. to learn how to drive in it, uh, it's never going to happen. It's never gonna Agreed. Happen. So I saw a poll on uh, that social media platform with the bird on it that's uh, going the way of the dodo, probably, <laughs> uh, right. on Twitter. Yeah. Charles Gauthier, good friend, good friend of ours, um, retired now, uh, was the Downtown Business Association in Vancouver. Uh, he put out a tweet basically saying, you know, a poll. And he's like, definitive answer, mandating snow tires. I'm like, really? No, I don't think that as a Vancouver. I don't want to spend the money. Well, and that's it. And tell that to the single mother who can barely afford yeah, the car and the insurance. No, just don't that, drive. That you now have to find a place. That's it, right? Stay just home. don't drive. Just don't drive on that day. But mandating snow tires uh, all winter long all over uh, BC. Because they, they do have that on the highways. And I think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I think that, and they did, uh, they do significant checks on people who would drive on bald summer tires up the sea to sky highway and cause all kinds of problems uh in yes. doing so because there's just no way around it it d- d- doesn't really matter if you're a good driver if your tires are are bald and mm-hmm. crappy and you hit black ice i mean black ice can hurt anybody and yeah. we did see some of that but like you said george uh, i was out brian and i were running around on tuesday when it started to snow we were timing it out because we were told that it was going to mm-hmm. start to really accumulate after 2 p.m and then we we got home I think it was just before four and then it really started to come down and we were home and we're like, you know what? We're done for the day. And mm-hmm. if we need anything, we have to walk. Isn't from it here nice really... Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? And then just on that last part of the drive, I agree with you a hundred percent because the, the biggest concern wasn't whether or not we were white knuckling it in our SUV that does have new snow tires on it. Cause we're lucky to be able to afford them. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the other people on the road who were mm-hmm. slip sliding all over the place. And it's just like, what? And don't tell me that you can't, you have to go to work or you have to get out. We had, we, have, we just went through a pandemic where we went for a brief period of time here where there was nobody anywhere. It's like just gone. hospitals, just grocery exactly. stores, so that's, just doctors. That's the priority. So when yeah. we know a snowstorm's coming, everybody who doesn't need to go out, stay home, do whatever you can, talk to your boss, say, can I work from home? Most people now, because we all are used to it, will say, yeah, yeah, of course. And then let the government focus on making sure the buses can get through, make sure ambulances yeah. can get fire trucks, people who work in hospitals can get to work, whatever that means, whether that means giving them shuttles, if they don't want to drive themselves, whatever, put a plan for that stuff. Uh, and you just stay home and let us yeah. make sure that we have the infrastructure in place for that one or two days, um, two times a year, if that, that we get in Vancouver region specifically. If you go outside of the city, if you go to Kelowna, you go to Prince George, they don't, they, it snows all the time in those places and they're just fine. And if you go somewhere on a snow day like that, knowing it's coming because it's a thing that you are just not prepared to cancel, do not complain about getting yeah. stuck. Do not complain about not being, my bus was late. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guess what? Yeah. On a snow day in Vancouver where 10 to 15, maybe 20 centimeters of snow is expected over just a couple of hours time. That's a dump of snow in this town. 
do not expect everything to run like tickety boo. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. It, it, it's just not. It's and you know what? Ten years I lived in Ontario also doesn't happen in a heartbeat there. The snow mm-hmm. removal is a problem. Where do you put it? Where do you push it to? When you're when you're mm-hmm. on city streets, like the the tightness. I mean, Vancouver, you have to wait for expense. somebody to come by. No, me neither, George. I'm with you 100%. And let's talk about expense. Let's talk about budget. <laughs> nice segue. Thank you. I'm very, <laughs> I'm feeling that one. Hmm. Yeah, Thank budget, you. budget, the first budget presented uh, a very draft budget to the city of Vancouver. Um, all the budgets are being done across the province uh, to the new municipality. Right. And you budget. keep saying, don't yeah. be in a rush. Yes. And this council actually, I'll have. M- positioned it so that they won't be approving it until March, which is great, which is great. Listening to George is a good (laughs) thing. Um, It's, you know, so, however, uh, the budget that was presented, I would say there's no way that this budget was created by the current staff under the, under the uh, oversight of the current council, because there wouldn't have been time. It's only been a couple of weeks since this council got in. So, and the mayor was away. Yeah, so this budget that was presented is really a hangover of the previous um, government, so which has had some of the people in it that are there now. Yeah. So it was a 5% property tax increase. Let's not confuse things, everybody. And then the plus, 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 plus. As I always point out, there's other things that we pay for. In Vancouver, we moved, I'll explain this really quickly, to a, a much more of a pay-as-you-go system. We tried to, anything like water, sewer, all these things, anything you could do is a pay-as-you-go. Uh, and usage yeah. in order to control usage and to get, hey, you know what, if I use less, I'll pay less, um, which I like. I like that idea. However, I want to be rewarded for that as well um, yeah. on my taxes. I don't want to see taxes going up as well as my pay-as-you-go going up. And so what happened under Vision Vancouver when I was there, which I always fought, was they, sure, your property tax is only going up 2% this year, but your other things are going up by 12, 15, 18, 23, 32%, you know, you're going, wait a minute. And so when you look at the budget and you think about the budget, whatever community you're in, don't, there's, you need to really consider a few things. One is, okay, there's the budget increase overall. In the case of Vancouver, it's $300 million more dollars. Wow. 1.7 million to a 1.9 plus almost $300 million increase in total spending. So, and the property tax increase only is a chunk of that. Where does that money come from then? Parking, uh, Water, sewer, user fees, development cost yeah. levies, uh, all these different things have to, the revenue that they get, they have to get more of that to pay this 300 million extra dollars. Okay. I feel like, and I thought that, and I'm disappointed in some ways that this budget was presented at all, because generally what they do is it's a worst case scenario budget and then it's going to be much better. But I don't see it because this budget was created without two things, whoops, that were asked for, that have been asked for in the last week. One, police won 11%. That's uh, they, they represent one third of the budget of Vancouver. And yeah. the other is the firefighters suddenly came out and said they want to have 51 new firefighters. That's, you know, you're looking at $150,000 per firefighter per year. So, you know, another a lot. seven to 10 million. That's a 1%. For every percent tax increase in Vancouver, it's about $8 million. You know, you got to spend about $8 million to get what's 1% taxes, you know? So, right. so it's, so that's basically another 8% right there that, the, that the, if they give the firefighters what they want, and of course, this, a lot of this council was endorsed by the firefighters, as they were by the police union. Got them over the back. Oh, you, you endorsed you. Give us what we want. So they've got two organizations that want more. Of course, then there's the Snowmageddon, which means engineering saying, hey, we if you want us to fix, sure, it's just going to cost you more. We can do that. It's another 10%. Yeah. They haven't asked for much. We haven't got the details. Generally, engineering, though, is is uh, 
they don't have any revenue. They parking is about, but it, parking actually isn't directly. You know, you can only get so much. I think the, it's like sixty million a year or something. So yeah, this budget is five percent property I'm gonna, tax increase. I want to jump in here because, as you stated, this seems like a hangover budget, and the fact that this council and this mayor are not planning to put forward a budget until the new year, as per your direction. Listening to George, <laughs> what what would George do? Um, I'm going to write this one word. That I, here's one. Here's the one word that I want. I'm, if you can't see this, what is that? It's like a, it's a zero. Start zero. at zero. Start at zero, guys. Start at zero. Go to zero so and start from there. I want, I want to just, one of the things that, that was loudest to me in the, in the platforms that Ken Sim put forward when running for mayor, and I think yes. it resonated with a number of voters, mm-hmm. um, was that he is a chartered accountant yes. who is prepared to look at the numbers because he's not a politician, line line. right? Like, line by line, George, we've been asking for this for years on this. How many how many episodes are we in on Spun 198. Right We're almost 200. 198. Yep. Okay. So I'm looking forward to the line by line and that perhaps, because I, like you, I think there are areas where we need to shore up what are the basics, the basic needs of the of the community mm-hmm. and the city. And let's take care of those basics before we add any fluffy pet project planning, whatever. I and I legacy, I don't care. I don't care. Give me this give me the basics. And now now and this we've talked about this. Bring me now we know because that's gonna cost whatever, a billion two or a billion or a billion three. Right. I don't know, whatever right. it's gonna cost. Hopefully whatever less than cost. what the current budget is. And then you say, okay, now we have about this much money that's being spent on a bunch of stuff that's not basic, all important stuff, I'm sure. But yeah. do you, but let's prioritize. the people of Vancouver want this? Let's have a conversation in public about all of these things, all these grants that we give, all of these other bells and whistles that have ever, whoever gets that money, love it, sure, great. But is that really the role of the city of Vancouver? And what would happen if we remove that money from the, but you know, if, if at the end of the process, the support is saying, no, no, just give them the money then so be it. At least we went through the process. If they say, you know what? I agree with you. Take this money away. We're going to keep this money, you know, and it's going to, it's going to hurt this first year, you know, but we're going to commit next year that this is the baseline. We're not going to six or 8% next year or the year after, but we are, this is our four year plan. This is going to be a 7% budget increase or whatever it is. Or, or in the case of this is like one, 300 million and 1.6 billion. That's really a 15% increase. Um, budget increase uh we're gonna try and keep that down to whatever but we need sewers done we need Mm -hmm. street garbage and recycling done we need sidewalks sweeped sidewalks sweeped and cleaned and we need in real time we got to get rid of the the graffiti that is ruined Mm -hmm. yeah like these are all things that cost money to do right Mm -hmm. but it's it's the, what you said. It's the broken window. What's it called? The broken window. Yeah, concept. It's really just like this. It's just a. It's a. It's a. It's this horrible thing that just starts. Once a neighborhood becomes degraded by just one or two houses, you know, this is uh, then the whole neighborhood starts to fall apart, kind of thing. So yeah, as a city, and it's not blaming anybody because people then will vilify you, saying that you're, you know, you have no heart and and don't care about homelessness and don't care about the opioid crisis. You do care about all of those things. But it has to start somewhere, 
Well, if you were to say, of- yeah, exactly. And if yeah. you were to do your process that you're talking about, there's some more thing where you have this priority budget that's on the basics of what the role of a city is supposed to do. And then they say to you, you know, but we're spending $200 million a year on the homeless in the city. What do you think about that, Vancouver? Is, is this something, well, if we don't, and, and also it provides them the ability to go, we sort of have these numbers already, but to remind the province and the federal government, do you know we're spending this much money on something that you're supposed to take care of? We're, right. we're going we're gonna to keep doing it because the people of the city care. But clearly you don't care, province, federal government, because we're forced to spend this money that you've pushed down to us. That's not cool, man. We shouldn't be building housing and we shouldn't be paying for all the social services that are not the prior, not the job of a city. And look at how much money that we have to budget this year for it. We can't, this is not sustainable, uh, Premier or Prime Minister. What are you going to do about it? When you talk about writing form, you know, strongly worded letters <laughs> that our previous mayor loved to do, you need to have an ask at least or say, you need, here's my letter and here's what we're going to do. And we're going to keep blaming you until you've solved this problem. And we're happy to work with you, but we can't afford this as a city. Right. We're, it's not possible for us. Uh, to do this anymore. And you can also then, if every city did this, uh, and you could compare on the cities that are doing zero, and again, and there are many in this region that do nothing uh, for homeless or housing, uh, and others that do too much. Um, yeah. We need to know that too, because it's not fair that one... And when you say too, city. but when you say too much, still the problem exists and still the problem grows, even with doing as much as humanly possible. And this is not unique to here. We are seeing this all over the place, all over the world. In fact, there is you, you, a great divide. This. Yeah, it's you, and you know this, Jody, because you do. You live. You're a you're an entrepreneurial, creative person, right? You you have a goal, right? It's great to have goals, but without a plan to get to that goal, the goal is a fantasy. It's it's a dream. It's not yeah. a real thing. You need. It's great to have goals. Have goals, but if there's no plan to get there, you're, it's it, like Gregor Robertson said. He's going to solve homelessness. Okay, how? Oh well, we're just gonna we're just gonna throw money at it. No, that doesn't work either. There's got to be a no. plan if you have a goal, and that's the problem where I find with government because their goals are too short to achieve many of the goals. Their timeline is too short to achieve the goals that they want to have. We all want to have. We want to solve homelessness, okay? But that's a thirty-year goal, everybody. I'm sorry to say, it's going right. to take us thirty years to solve homelessness. How are we going to do that? Well, we have to build this. Over the next 30 years, we can assume that there's going to be more homeless people and more of this and that because we have this, you know, math. And that means we have to build this many things and we have to put this much money into social services and this much into psychological services and this much into drugs and alcohol production, you know, prevention and all of that. But we can't do that in one year. And it's even if we did it in one year, it won't solve the problem. It won't get to our goal. Our goal. But of course, guess what happens? An election comes, a new government comes in. They go, oh, we're changing the goal goalposts have changed yeah. and so you don't get that consistency so so if you have a goal how do you as a government have a goal unlike a business and this is where ken sims is going to have a little challenge with his brain because he says i'm a businessman i'm going to run city hall like a business well it doesn't work that way because unless you somehow can embed the goal into policy that is unflappable you can't change it there's it's stuck yeah. and no future government can go in and change it um, without a lot of problems and a lot of lawsuits and a lot of whatever. That's the only way a government can actually achieve long-term goals if you can embed it in legislation that makes it impossible to reverse. So let's talk about a couple of things because you've touched on the provincial piece as well as the municipal piece. So let we've got a number of subjects we want to hit on, but because we are into the housing part of this, I want to touch on uh, David Eby's 
want to uh, direct stratas uh, that rentals, rental restrictions will be gone. That is, that is, you know, a sweeping big time step toward what he thinks will open up mm-hmm. the rental market to affordable rentals, which I, that's the part that really I look at. And I'm like, I don't know a lot of stratas that have affordable rentals in them, but okay. Um, but there might be more access to rentals at all because it is an extremely difficult time to, to find a place to, to live in, whether it's to rent or to own right now. Yeah. It's, a, it's a bizarre time. Um, but you, you and I were talking about this last week because it's an ongoing piece of this mm-hmm. puzzle um, that Premier David Eby is bringing to the table here. But the, the fact is you live in a strata, you are on a strata council and, mm-hmm. and your concern is what? Well, there's, two, I mean, we talked about it last week and I, and I could see on the surface, it seems like a logic. I've lived in both kinds of stratas and I was on the strata yeah. council of both. Uh, and always get on your strata council if you live in a strata. It's, it's your home. Get on that council because you don't want the crazies to take over. But uh, in my current building, no restrictions. Wide open. Anybody can rent. Every owner has a right to do what they want, which is an argument. Uh, In the place I lived before, it was not that way. There was restrictions and you had to apply to be, uh, there's a whole process you have to go through saying, uh, you know, I'm in a crisis, you know, whatever. I can't afford uh, to sell this place or it's not going to sell. Maybe the market's down, whatever. You got to, it's kind of... Uh, embarrassing to to actually have to tell you the strategy. Right, your, you told your that story last week, right? Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah. here's the deal with the, with EB lifting this new po- this policy, saying uh, nobody stratas can't um, uh, re- restrict rentals. So, two things. One is that first of all, this all strata owners are the property owners. So, you are telling the owners strata being the owners of the properties, freehold property that they own. So it's like, if you have a house, it's your house, but you just happen to have 300 people who own it with you. Um, if you said to a single family home, uh, owner and said, you have to rent your basement suite. <laughs> you have to, like they do at Whistler, like they do at yeah. Whistler. Yeah. yeah. You have to rent it. You have to, you can't, you, you must rent. You've got a, you've got, you know, obviously that's extreme. You got a bedroom that's not being used in your house. You got to rent it. I mean, it's, 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 that's kind of the, what they're asking strata councils to, you don't have a right to decide. So that's, you know, what your, your home. Can, can I jump in here just as mm-hmm. just devil's advocate, right? Cause I've yeah. never been living under a strata. I, I live in a non-conforming strata. So I share insurance with my neighbor. It's really quite a genius way to go about it. I don't pay fees every month. Sure. It is my home. No one can tell me what to do in my home, which is great. But when I'm listening to what you're saying, could a strata council not sit down together as a whole and say in this building of 300 people, we have an agreement that everybody is allowed to rent, but we can all agree that we won't. Like, can, can, if, if, like Linda on the show last week, Linda Steele on Steel and Vance last week talked about her building where there's 11 units, right? So she's very small or 12 units, I guess. And she's one of them, 11 other units. And she's yeah. like, I don't want this in my building because that's one of the reasons why we bought well, in this building is to not. Da, 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 da. And it's like, okay, well, could they not sit as a council and say, we're not going to rent any in here because Absolutely. we're going to just. They sure can, but they'll, you'll them. see them. You'll see them in court with the province. The province will take them if they are, are serious about this. They will take that strata council to court. If somebody's saying, "I'm trying to rent in this building," and they won't let me, what's the deal? Why can't I? But wouldn't you, you have know, to this? list a rental? Like if nobody. Yes, but then it's an empty home. But of course, you get punished a different way. Unless you live in it. 
Right. Okay. So somebody's so, got to live in it. Yeah. So, and most people, there's also the Airbnb issue and all those other things. So yeah. it's really about deciding. Which isn't what restricted. You do with your, well, yeah. I know, I, we don't actually check in our building. Okay. How long, how many, it's up to the cities put that rule in about living in your place for six months. That's a whole other, the empty homes tax is a whole other right. uh, philosophical issue. But okay. Let's set aside the whole, what I think will become a very litigious. I think your that description is what is going to lead to this policy right. by the Georgia government not working. I, it'll go all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court will say, you know, you don't have the right as a government to tell people, a person, how they can use their property. You don't, you don't, you, it's not, it's, I believe he's a lawyer, EB. I still think this might fail if somebody takes it all the way to the top, because it's really telling this individual owner, a strata, which is an individual owner of a freehold piece of property, what to do right. with their property. That's land rights. That's not, uh-uh, no, you can't do that. No, no. You can't do that yeah. to me. So, but on the other, on the other side, and also besides all that, what's going to happen, of course, is now it's opened up, um, every single strata to be a, a speculative opportunity. So these strata councils that had restrictive rules also became unattractive to investors because they couldn't rent their places, right? So the property values of those actual units as owners, so if you want to own your place, was devalued mm. by a certain percentage because you couldn't buy them and rent them. So right. it wasn't allowed. So now what's going to happen, because EB is putting renters above owners, clearly, that right. they, sure, maybe maybe rental prices will go down or more spot. It's only about three thousand units they figure in Vancouver that might be available to open versus up. the nine thousand Airbnb units. Yeah, so it's really not. It's a small number, but what yeah. will happen is now the prices of all those homes to purchase will skyrocket in all those stratas because, because and now they're who, a money maker. Guess who can afford yeah. those places? Investors, developers. Now yeah. they buy them and they buy them as lost leaders. They may they'll rent them maybe. They can afford them, have as a loss leader because they're buying them and as a commodity, not right. as a place to live potentially. They look at the long term. They can afford to lose. They can pay the seven percent interest or whatever. They have the cash, um, and so you you've basically opened up all all purchase property. So it's a it's a slap in the face to anybody who any young person who's hoping to buy now all those entry level units that were purchasable in buildings Sweet. that might have had strata, yeah. you, you know, non rentals. Uh, yeah. Those are those prices are probably going up by twenty percent overnight. That's crazy. Okay, so two other things I want to get to with David Eby, other than housing. Uh, yeah. One is the direction that he's given uh, to the Crown, apparently with regard to repeat offenders, the prolific offenders, um, uh, as well as he. I actually, I was on radio in Toronto for the last few days, and a big story out there. What was what what was happening here in David Eby wanting to seize or flag or have, uh, yeah, basically seize unexplained wealth. <laughs> this is a new thing. So it's mm. like some are really, you know, throwing the flag on like, wait, what now all of a sudden I have to explain myself if I have, it's like, yeah, actually you do. Because there's, you know, students driving around in a Lamborghini with an N on the back wanting to, yeah, you know, well, it's, a, it's a tough one, but interesting. So David Eby is, is doing a number of things that are uh, speaking to some of the concerns that people have been loudly screaming from the rooftops for quite some time with regard to uh, obviously the housing affordability issue, uh, prolific offenders, as well as money laundering and and what have you. So uh, is this spin, George? Uh, or you know, It's PR for sure. It's 100% spin because federally he can't really do this. But, but 
this is a this is I I you know we talked about this in the past about being somewhat libertarian you know I, I'm 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 against you know the libertarians become a dirty word a lot of the people who were the January sixth stuff uh, use libertarian argument that they want, right. they want government the less government you know the Trump but yet they're crazy right. you know people are you know but basically what's happening and this is not just in this kind of idea where it's based on a spin you're seeing in Alberta the decisions by the new premier are what could be perceived uh, as something that provides too much power to the government itself to invoke certain regulations without authority. Um, you saw it after 9-11 in the States, a lot of yeah. changes based on fear and worry that uh, empowering government to do more. Like, well, a lot of those things that happened actually today's uh, um, uh, podcast for New York Times, if you listen the to daily. The Daily, this, yeah. this whole thing started, the whole uh insurrection concept started way back after 2001 because people were angry about george bush uh invoking a lot of these regulations and 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 having the ability to secretly you know record people and all this you know stuff um yeah. ironically that led to this whole movement which ended up being anyways it's all weird but isn't it isn't it is weird this, though that it was like the staunch yeah. right republican that started this that started the thing yeah and then so the people I, I just now are worry. even further to the right. It's crazy. And yeah, so Bush used that 9-11 to change things that were, and we didn't do it in Canada as much. We did a little bit of it. We saw the hearings in Ottawa this past couple yeah. of weeks. It was very Ontario-centric, I think, but still. I watched a lot the, of them. The decisions that were made about the truckers and all that stuff, What yeah. is that be, beyond the ability? They're arguing that was too far for the government to go, but of course the government's saying, well, we had to, we had to. This balance of making these decisions that he, he, are intrusive and, and step, overstepping what the government should be doing and they use whether it be money laundering where they use you know med, you know getting your 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 whatever the truckers argument is there you know the fact oh that the vaccines the vaccine and requirement for travel whatever yeah. and, and right. then 9 11 the states and and you know these yeah. are risky uh decisions being made on the backs of something that people that are popular to people that so they can use it's 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 risky and we it's easy not to pay attention to it and go yeah 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 do that you know do headlines that. headline yeah, because readers. Yeah, that makes yeah. me feel good but then you realize, oh wait a minute that also has a it means that was also, you know, a snowball yeah. effect it was snow week here um yeah good a, a one you brought it all the way other, around a whole bunch of other policies and things and decisions government and police get to make that get right. people really mad that's all the time we have for this week george <laughs> Leave while you're mad. I ran into a lot today. I loved Sorry, it. Everybody. No. <laughs> Do not apologize when Unspun goes by that quickly because I, <laughs> we have about, I don't know, one, two, three. We didn't get to Surrey policing. We didn't Elon get Musk. into yep. Elon yep. Musk, uh, Kanye, and Fuentes having respecting a meal with Donald Trump. Like respecting the chamber. Oh, City Hall, the decorations oh, on the mayor's desk. It's so much to talk about. Exactly. Uh, you're going to have to follow us along on our uh, bird platform. Uh, at George underscore Affleck, at Jody Vance, Jody with a Y at Jody Vance on Twitter. And uh, I'll see you on Steel and Vance tonight. We're back to doing Unspun on Thursdays. We're just pushing it all back That's to right. Thursday. And, yeah. and people can stream your show, by the way, anytime on check tv.com. 
Checkmedia.ca. Thank you. Checkmedia.ca is where you find us. I I stream it. So yeah, and it's anywhere you get your podcasts as well. So when you like and subscribe the Unspun podcast, go over to Steel and Bats and get that as well because the show becomes a podcast. But George, UnspunPodcast.com is where people find this direct to their inbox. And thank you for doing all the production work. I appreciate you. (laughs) Thanks. Bye.